Blog Talk Radio. Now, George, now, now, George, struck back. Now, now, George, fought back. What a magnificent right. How you doing, everybody? This is the WBC featherweight champion of the world, Mr. Gary Russell Jr., and you can listen to me and tune in on Zook Boxing Talk. All righty. Welcome, everybody, to Zook Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet side straight up with no twist. How's everybody doing out there this evening, Thursday, November 8th? 2018, and a little bit later on, we'll be hearing from Grover Wiley. Larry Friars is also scheduled to appear, and uh, we have a lot to discuss in the world of boxing uh, as uh, the, the fights keep rolling, rolling along. And this past weekend, we saw some really, really wonderful action and. Uh, Miguel Burchelt, who never is really a stranger to uh, delivering good action fights, cranked out another one again this past weekend as he defeated uh, Mickey Ramon over nine grueling rounds. Uh, there was a lot of uh, buzz all over the social media about this fight, uh, a big high-octane, high-action fight. But was is it ever really competitive? I mean, the most intriguing thing about the fight, other than watching uh, Burchell's offensive skills, which are plenty, is the fact that uh, we admired uh, Roman for taking so much punishment for hanging in there. I'm not sure how competitive the fight was. I I don't think uh, Roman won more than a round. And uh, it certainly could have been stopped a lot sooner than what it was. But uh, in the end, it has to be considered a good win for Burchelt, and that's one of those things where you look at the record, and you see the record if you just go to, uh, you know, the paper trail of the fight, so to speak. Roman goes in there with 12 losses. You think, oh, it's a a cupcake for uh, Burchelt. 
uh, even though I didn't think it was a very competitive fight in, in terms of who was winning, it certainly was a tough fight for Bichelt. It certainly uh, was a solid win. But if you didn't see the fight and you just look at the record, you're like, oh, look at that, another hand-picked fight. Now, obviously, you want to see Bichelt in there against uh, better opposition moving forward. But uh, for this one, uh, you have to be satisfied with it if you're a fan. It was a good showcase on ESPN+. And uh, like I said, the only one, one problem I had with it is uh, I thought uh, Roman took a bunch of punches, too many that were unnecessary. Uh, when he went down, he got up, referee asked him if he was okay, and he, he nodded he was okay. But it really wasn't okay. I mean, he didn't really convince me. And I believe me, I never want to be a referee, but uh, I thought that, uh, you know, the, the nod wasn't enough. I thought the ref should have uh, asked for more of a commitment or looked into his eyes a little bit more. It looked like he was just uh, interested and uh, psyched up about uh, getting Roman back in there. And, you know, he came, you know, despite taking a bunch of punches, he kept coming forward. Certainly, uh, will probably wouldn't even wouldn't have been stopped, uh, or would have probably been stopped even later, I should say, if that fight was 50, 60 years ago. So, I guess we're making uh, progress in that uh, area. And then, of course, you had uh, Josh Taylor uh, and uh, Ryan Martin for their part of this so far wonderful, very pleasant uh, 140-pound tournament that's uh, being showcased on the Dazzin. Uh, network and uh, Dazzin is cranking out a lot of uh, boxing as well as MMA for uh, fight fans. It's another one of those streaming services that seems to be taking over how we watch the sweet science, if you will. And uh, I wrote a blog, or I'm in the middle of writing a, a blog about that, uh, which should be coming out shortly on Zoot's uh, blog talk. So I won't say any more than that, but uh, a dominant win by uh, Josh Taylor, the number two seed in the 140-pound tournament. Obviously, Regis Progre is the number one seed, and Progre had a wonderful uh, showing against uh, Flanagan in his uh, first round. And, uh, you know, Taylor, it looks like the real deal. I mean, a lot of people said before this thing even started, it was going to be Taylor and Progre in the final. And it certainly could go that way. Uh, Taylor has to fight uh, Baranchek next, which is no walk in the park. But uh, I, I would have to favor uh, Taylor in that fight. Taylor is a good switch hitter, power in both hands, goes to the body well. Uh, he and uh, Progre, assuming Progre gets past his next fight, which he should, uh, should uh, set us up for a nice, uh, wonderful title for the Muhammad Ali Trophy. And uh, good good stuff in terms of uh, what we saw this past uh, weekend. We got some good stuff coming up on uh, Daz and uh, this weekend as well. And obviously over the horizon, you have the big heavyweight uh, title with Deontay Wilder and uh, Tyson Fury uh, that's coming up in uh, December, early December. Uh, That's going to be a Showtime uh, pay-per-view. Not that many big pay-per-views to go around anymore. Obviously, you had the Triple G-Canelo rematch uh, a little while back. Uh, And uh, now you have this one. Uh, 
I'm assuming it's going to be a, a large price tag. I don't know who's going to be on uh, the undercard. Hopefully, they got some good flights on the undercard because the, the Triple G Canelo uh, on the card was downright awful. And I, 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 for one, didn't see that coming. I thought on paper those were some pretty decent flights, but obviously uh, that, that was not the case. Uh I mean, as much as I want to see Wilder and Fury, I, I don't know if it's worth coughing up uh, 60, 70 bucks, whatever, 80 bucks, whatever they're going to try and charge you. Showtime pay-per-view is probably going to be a big price tag. I don't know if it's worth that. And, I, you know, I, I'm not going to try and watch it illegally, so I don't know what to do yet. I haven't decided. Uh, but that, that, that's a big one. That, that's, a, that's a fight that has a lot of people... Uh, talking at the fight where a lot of people are Team Wilder. They think Wilder is going to smash Fury out. I happen to be one of those people. Uh, but there are a lot of people who think Fury is going to win. So it, it should be interesting. And, uh, I mean, one thing you can't say is uh, they might say it anyway. They say anything they want, right? But, uh, I mean, obviously uh, Wilder is going in there against a tough customer, you think, right? Guy to beat uh, Klitschko, big, strong guy, just like Wilder. Should be a fun fight. Uh, Fury likes to talk, has some skills. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I know how this one is going to go, but I don't know what the reaction is going to be to it. First of all, uh, it's, is it going to sell well? I, from what I hear, the tickets aren't selling that well for it. But, uh, you know, still early. By by the time it's all said and done, I'm sure they'll have as many people in there as possible. How many pay-per-views is that going to do? I don't know. I don't know. See, but you got that fight to look forward to, boxing fans. You have the the 140-pound uh, tournament to uh, wind up sometime next year. Uh, that That's looking good. Uh, overall, though, you got to be disappointed. It doesn't seem like Errol Spence is Crawford are going to get together anytime soon. Uh, Keith Thurman is uh, still on the shelf. Uh, a lot of fights that we want to see uh, are just not happening, and uh, not for any other reason other than these guys belong to different promoters. You got the top rank guys, you got the Heyman guys, you got guys now fighting exclusively on Dazzin. Canelo is one of those guys now. I mean, uh, nobody's excited about Canelo's next fight after he surprised a lot of people and uh, beat Triple G. Oh, I mean, first of all, I didn't think he beat him, but obviously on on paper is what matters moving forward. And uh, people were thinking maybe Jacobs, maybe Charlo. Uh, we didn't get any, anything even close to that. But uh, Canelo obviously has got his uh, clout back and it probably never left in terms of uh, – you know, staying power, being the cash cow and all of that. But uh, after that victory now, he, he has created some interest uh, in, th- in certain things that uh, maybe weren't existing while he had the whole tainted meat cloud over him. That's kind of like gone by the boards. Nobody's really talking about the decision as being a terrible uh, robbery. Uh, not enough people anyway. So that has gone by the boards. Uh, so so we'll see. But uh, a lot of stuff going around the uh, world of boxing and a lot more chatter. Uh, 
than substance in terms of the, the really top guys fighting each other. And uh, obviously the dreadful rumor of uh, Mayweather Pacquiao 2 for next year has fizzled down a little bit. Uh, Mayweather was supposed to schedule to fight a Japanese fighter, Japanese kickboxer, and it, I, from what I hear, that's uh, no longer the case. Mayweather has uh, decided not to participate in that fight. So we'll see. I mean, is Pacquiao going to fight Broner in the winner takes on Mayweather? I don't know. A lot of this stuff is speculation. And, of course, the other thing that uh, is going to happen before the year is out is we're going to put a coffin in HBO's, the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, of HBO boxing. HBO has done a lot for boxing. It really put boxing on a map in a way that no other uh, television network has ever done since the beginning. But uh, now I think it's time to go because they, 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 the, the production value that they put on now is just horrendous. They don't even try anymore, in my opinion. And, uh, I mean, sometimes the fights are decent, but more often than not, you, you get a, you either get a mismatch or you get a fight that's not really worth your time. And that's not what HBO Boxing uh, built, uh, built its reputation on. That's not what HBO Boxing should have ever become. And I realize every year the budget dwindled and it had a lot to do with it, but... Uh, I mean, still, that Triple G Canelo uh, HBO pay-per-view was just downright awful. Awful. And I'm not talking about the fights. I'm talking about the production value. I'm talking about the whole television crew. I'm talking about how they filled time. I mean, it was amateur hour, and they were once the giant of them all. I mean, nowhere else else were you going to see a marvelous Marvin Hagler for the most part. Guys like Julio Cesar Chavez, Roy Jones, they all, even Mayweather in the beginning, all, they all made their bones on HBO boxing. And December 8th is going to be their last hurrah, so to speak. But our next guest has many hurrahs coming forward, and he has a fight coming up on December 7th, and we're going to talk to him in just a short while, Mr. Larry Friars will hopefully be on when we get back right after this. Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet sign straight up with no twist. 
And my first guest is a professional fighter fighting out of the super lightweight division, sporting a record of eight and one with three knockouts. There's a big fight coming up on uh, December 7th against Ronald Rivas. Talking about none other than Larry Friars. Welcome back to the show, Larry. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's great to be back on. You know, I really appreciate the call. Oh, thank you. Pleasure is all ours, of course. And, uh, uh, Larry, it's been an interesting 2018 for you. Obviously, in 2017, you had a little bit of a setback with that hand injury. Uh, you come back nicely. You get the big victory over Charles and Mr. Hollywood and Natal at the end of 17. 2018 doesn't start off uh, on the right foot as you get uh, stopped in six rounds in your first fight of the year, but now you're riding a two-game, a two-fight, rather, uh, winning streak, and uh, you're looking to close out the year with another victory. Talk about, uh, holistically, your year of 2018. Well, 2018 has been a roller coaster of a year, you know. As I say, you know, it started off, a couple of fights had fell through after that big win over Charlie Natal. You know, the start of 2018 had promised to be something big, and you know, it ends up it ended up falling pretty flat. You know, I end up I didn't get get fighting again till till April. You know, after a couple of fights had fell through, and you know, the fight in April was was a big venue. It was in the Barclays Center. You know, it was on the undercard of uh, Danny Jacobs, and you know, it should have been it should have been the start of something good, you know, but what happened was, look, you know, so much stuff went on in the background, you know, and fair use to the guy I was fighting, you know, the better man won on the night, you know, I'm not going to take that away from him, he he boxed better than I did, and the reason being was I physically, physically, I was in the best shape of my life, I got, you know, I couldn't have been any better physically, mentally, mentally, no, I just wasn't, I wasn't there on the night, and that all fell down to what was going on in the background. And pretty much what was going on in the background was, you know, my manager, my promoter, uh, they were fighting amongst each other. And in in the middle of all that was me. And I they, they weren't doing their job right by me, you know. Leading up to the biggest show of my career so far. And these two guys can't can't decide whether they're coming or going, they're threatening courts, they're threatening legal action, this, that, and the other. And it ended up, you know what I mean, I suffered big time for it. You know, I, um, my training camp was a complete mess. Um, I got, I got like, three uh, sparring sessions. To, are you allowed, Larry, are you allowed to get into details as to what the conflict was between your manager and your promoter? Pretty much, they just don't like each other, you know. They never did, you know. Uh, and... Uh, you know, there was a power struggle there of who was who was King Kong, pretty much, you know, and that that's pretty much what was going on. And the pair of guys were butting heads, and I was stuck in the middle of it. And they're telling me that oh, this fight's not going to happen. I'm going to bring you to court, and you know what? They were ringing out to the promoter, like my promoter was calling the promoter of the show, threatening legal action, all this mad stuff. You know what I mean? And I'm left there not knowing whether I'm on the show, whether I'm off the show. Uh, you know, I was missing, like I had a six-week training camp for this fight, and it was the worst training camp of my life. I mean, I missed I missed two solid weeks of it because of all this back and forth. I, I was on the phone constantly 
for two weeks dealing with this shit. You know, and these pair of guys couldn't couldn't sort out what the hell was going on. And on top of that too, you know, they were supposed to get me an opponent. That was the whole mm. thing. And I'm training for a fight that I didn't even know who I was fighting. Uh, we only got the opponent six days out. You know, we had seven weeks to get an opponent and we found one six days out. And, you know, I had three sparring sessions in the six-week training camp. You know, I racked up 18 rounds in six weeks, you know. Mm. Having about having about the fight, you know, like my wife, like on top of that too, you know, I became a father for the first time three weeks before the fight. You oh, know? congratulations. And, oh, thank you, but, you know, that just that just added more fuel onto the fire, you know what I mean? It was a lot yeah, of stressful at home, adjusting to being a father, adjusting to parenthood, getting all that sort of, and then on top of that, guys that are supposed to be looking after me, making sure that I don't have to worry about nothing else other than fighting, or or or, or trying to kill each other, and in terms wrecking it for me. And that's that's you know, like I I I took that defeat pretty hard, you know, I I, I took it pretty hard because it's the first time in the whole eighteen years that I had been boxing that. Um, I had went into a fight and came out of it not knowing what the hell had went wrong. You know what I mean? Like, mentally, this fight, looking back on it now, you know, it's the best, the best thing that could have happened to me because what it has done is it has shown me what the boxing game's really like. But what it has also done is it has made me have to wake up and realize, you know, how serious this is. You know, that one loss could have ended my could have ended my career as such, you know what I mean? Because it only takes one loss for a fighter to become a prospect to a journeyman. You know? Right. And I've been lucky I've been lucky enough that I bounced back with two quick wins because the fighter that was in the ring that night, that wasn't me. You know what I mean? I have never what the way I felt going into that fight was was something I've never felt as a fighter before. I mean, the the mental side of this sport is is is, is a lot stronger than what people realise. And I figured that out firsthand. You know, I thought because I was in such great shape and I was so so fit that that you know even even with my wife and other people telling me that I shouldn't take this fight, me being a macho man thinking, oh no, I be grand. You're lucky, I'm in great shape, but. On the day of the fight, nothing felt right about it. You know, I didn't have the fear of losing. I didn't have, I didn't have the butterflies in the stomach. You know what I mean? Walking into the ring, I, I, I felt nothing. And when I got in the ring, it, it pretty much showed because all I done for the six rounds was was take shots. That's it. You know what I mean? I didn't fight the way I could. And you know, I, I end up paying for it with a loss. You know, but. With the bad comes good because what I had to do was I had to really sit and look at myself in the mirror and and, and say to myself, is this something that I want? Is this something that I, that I'm willing to give a hundred percent to? And thankfully, I I made the decision that it was something I wanted to give a hundred percent to. So I went ahead and made the big calls. I got rid of my promoter. I got rid of my manager. I had to change gyms. You know, I had to get a new coaching system as well because. It wasn't working with the last coach. He was a great guy, but just me and him weren't clicking. 
and that all played the part, you know, and I just had to completely clear out the closet and start from scratch, you know, I've I've started out with a new trainer and, you know, we've had two two fights and this will be our third together and things are really clicking, you know what I mean? I'm fighting I'm fighting the way I know I can. And you know, I've so who's, who are you working with now? Who's training? I'm working with a guy, Alex Solomon. Okay, talk, talk and, a little bit about yeah, the difference between him and who you were working with before. Why are we clicking so much now with this current trainer? What's the big difference? The big difference, I suppose, is, is that he's, he's he's far more hands-on. You know, as I said, my last trainer, he was a great guy. You know what I mean? Me and him, like, I, had, I have great time for him. I really do. But as a coach... It was just, you know, he, he had a few other fighters, and I guess I was the last, I was the last fighter to come into the stable. You know what I mean? And definitely in the last fight, it it, it pretty much showed. You know what I mean? Where I was, I wasn't being put. I wasn't being put first in terms of having we were doing. You know what I mean? Other fighters that were fighting later on in the year were being put in front of me. You know, and the difference with Alex is. When I'm with Alex, I'm with him. He's there with me from start to finish, you know what I mean? He's constantly calling me out in my shit. He's telling me what I'm doing wrong. He's not letting it bypass, you know what I mean? And he's putting in the hard work with me. And that's what I need, you know what I mean? I need someone to tell me when I'm when I'm, when I'm I'm doing something wrong. I need someone to, to not be afraid to fucking put me in my place. And, and thankfully, him and my number two, Don, Don Malitz, who's been with me from the start, you know, since since he he was with me uh, with the last coach, and he he came with me thankfully, you know, them two guys are really just they're not letting anything slip up, you know what I mean? They're calling me out and they're keeping keeping me me feet in the ground, which which is another aspect of this sport, you know, like because of the the, the magnitude of that show that that I, that I that I have suffered my first loss on, I kind of got a big two too big for me boots I suppose you know I mean I had all this these offers coming at me about what was going to happen when I won you know we were already talking about when I won like this stuff had never happened before you know I had never overlooked an opponent before in my life but but this time I actually was because I was believing the hype that everybody was putting into me you know and thankfully now I've been the hype the hype starting to pick back up a wee bit but with this team that I've got around me at the minute they're keeping me grounded, you know, and I'm keeping myself grounded as well because, you know, I know, I know, you don't get too many opportunities in this sport, you know what I mean? And I'm luckily enough, I've I've got a second chance to to put right what what went wrong the first, you know, and I'm with these guys behind me now. I know I'm I know I'm not going to mess up the way I did the first time. Now, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, Larry, is uh, it, it seems to be a big adventure with your weight. While if you look at the numbers, it might not seem like that much of a discrepancy. But in, in your last few fights, you've weighed 146, uh, one, a little over 140, a little over 146. And then in your last fight, you were a little under 139 pounds. Talk a little bit about why you've had the fluctuation in weight and moving forward. What weight do you want to be at, especially for the next fight? Well, this is this is this this is the thing. You know, I want to be a one forty fighter. That's that's what I want to be, and that's what I've, I've I've tried to be all of last year. 
And even when I fought Charlie Natal, I wanted to fight at 140, but they wanted it at 147, but I wasn't going to pass up the opportunity on a show, B.B. King show, you know. So I am comfortable at, I am comfortable at the higher weight class, the 147, and even even my first fight back after the defeat, I fought a guy at 154, you know what I mean? But I'm a natural, I'm a natural one, 140. You know, I can carry the weight if I need that, but naturally, and 140 is where I want to be, you know, and I, I, I shown how easy I can do it by, by coming in for the last fight at, at 138. It was 138.2, you know, and I showed mm-hmm. that I can make the 140 mark, no problem, and, and still be very strong, you know what I mean? I wasn't killing myself and I wasn't draining myself to do it, you know? And that's all based on the team that I've got around me now, whereas nutrition-wise and everything else, it's all being looked after and we're, and we're, we're doing it properly, you know what I mean? And I've been crying out to be a 140 fighter for a long time, but like that too, the, the last team I had, you know, they, they just, they, they weren't, really keen on that they were thinking oh we need you to 147 this is where the bigger fights are but for me the bigger fights are 140 you know what I mean the 140 division at the minute is stacked now obviously the 147 division is stacked too but physically I know I'm stronger at 140 than what I would be at 147 you know so mm-hmm. I want to I want to use all my strengths in this sport you know what I mean and at 140 I know I can do serious damage you know what I mean and as I say, I proved that in my last fight by stopping by stopping the guy in the third round, you know, and my coaches have said it too. Physically, I'm a big 140, and I'm a strong 140. So, mm-hmm. they're happy to have me fight at 140, and my new team wants me to fight at 140. So, from here on out, like, even this next fight's for 140. You know, I'm staying at 140 now, and I'm, I'm, I'm no intentions of moving up to the 147s in and, and no time soon, anyway. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I saw you fight uh, on the, the March 17th uh, fight where uh, Mick Conlon had his debut, and uh, you certainly are uh, an intimidating, strong, uh, thick guy, and you could certainly uh, carry 146 or so, but I could see why you would want to uh, stay at that 140. Uh, so uh, the big fight for you next is December 7th in, in Queens. Ronald Rivas is your uh, opponent, what do you know about him going into the fight? You know, I, I I don't know much about him to be honest. You know, my coach my coach has seen a couple of tapes on him. You know, but not he hasn't actually seen that much on him. But I've seen his record. You know, and he's uh, he's fought some top quality guys. You know, and I think he's only out of his fifteen fights, he's only ever been stopped once, maybe twice. You know, um, one of the guys that stopped him was DMO Lopez, you know, yeah, who's with top rank. And, and, and he's a beast, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, like I even noticed in his last fight there, he fought um, uh, someone, Maynard, uh, 33 and 3 guys, you know, and it went to the distance. So, this 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 guy this guy's going to be out to really, really put a dampener on my end of the year parade, you know what I mean? But... You know, with 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 the team I have around me now and the way we're working, you know, this guy it is going to be a, a good fight. I, I I know it will be a good fight, but look, I've I've already messed up once, and 
now that I've got my head in the game and I've got it in the game hundred percent, you know, I'm I'm sorry, but it's not it's not gonna happen again. Like, you know, this guy is just he's just in the way of, of where I wanna be and what I wanna do. So I have I have no problem in going through him on the seventh. Now uh, what is your target weight for that date? What do you want to be around when you step on the scale? Well, the fight the fight's going to be for 140 plus 2, but I know myself, I'm still going to come in. I'll probably come in about 139, you know. And, you know, the fact that it, that, that they're doing it 140 plus 2 is just, is just, you know, gives me a bit more breathing space. But, you know, one I can make under the 140 limit at any time, like, you know, but I've been told by my coaches that realistically, you know, unless there's a title on the line, one forty plus two is the is the best way to go. So, you know, I've gotta I've gotta listen to my team and you know, as I say, it just it just gives me a bit more breathing space, but one forty from here on out is, is, is where we're going, like, you know what I mean? And that's that's the division we wanna stay in and that's the division we wanna try and move up the ladder in. Now, according to BoxRec, this fight is scheduled for eight rounds. Is that accurate? Yes, that is accurate. Yes, I'm moving up the eight rounds. You know, I had wanted the yeah. last fight be eight, but it couldn't. It couldn't be made. You know, so I'm. I'm I really pushed to get this for an eight rounder because, like I said, this is going to be my tenth pro fight, and now's the time to really be pushing up in the rounds. You know, so ideally, you know, we wanted to finish the year out with a good eight rounder and maybe get another two in of next year and then jump up to 10, you know. The rounds, the later the later the fight goes on, the stronger I get, you know, and that's, that's, why, that's why we really wanted to get up. That's why we really wanted to get up in the rounds, you know. And that's that's why all going well, this is going to be an eight-rounder, you know, so we're going to push on, get this. And the first two fights of next year will be eights as well, and then, all going well, we'll be pushing up to 10 and hopefully looking looking at, at, at shots at certain titles, you know. Now, uh, as you alluded to, this is the first time you're going eight rounds as a professional. Is there any change in your uh, training uh, regimen to prepare for those extra six minutes? No, not really because, you know, for the six-round fights, we were, we were doing eight, eight and ten-round sparring sessions anyway. You know, so pretty much like I've just been keeping it going. So I, I, I have no, no worries about going eight rounds. You know, and that's as I say, I enjoy, I enjoy the the more rounds because the later the fight goes on, I really start to come on strong. You know, so the later rounds actually suit me better. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to stepping up in rounds. Right. Right. Uh, well, I mean, uh, it, it certainly is a big step. Uh, uh, what about the idea? I mean, uh, you are not from America, but you've come here. You've been in the United States of America for a while now. Uh, and you're fighting right around the time where a lot of people celebrate uh, a holidays that uh, have to do with eating a lot of food that's probably not too good for you. So how have you been handling that? What are you going to do for the... Thanksgiving feast. You're not going to be able to eat much, are you? Well, you know, because I'm because I'm from Ireland. You know what I mean. We never had Thanksgiving. You know what I mean. So <laughs> I've only I've only well, there you go. Yeah. over the 
over the last three years, you know. So I just know I got to keep it in my mind. You know what I mean? Like Christmas, Christmas is is is, is a it, Christmas is like our Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? That's right. when we. It's after. That's when it's we have the. the fight, so you're okay. <laughs> yeah, that's after the fight. So I just got to keep it in my mind. You know what I mean? Thanksgiving dinner over here. I've just got to just got to skip it. You know what I mean? Stick to me day and, and just just walk on through and know that come Christmas time. I can have me turkey and me stuffing and everything as it goes with it, you know. So um, mm-hmm. I, I I'll obviously be a bit annoyed when when my wife and everybody else is digging into the turkey and Thanksgiving, but I'll I'll be fit to make up for the Christmas time. <laughs> now I led off the show talking about uh, how entertaining and important this 140 pound uh, tournament is over at the. Uh, Dazzin, you got obviously Josh Taylor and Regis Progray leading the pack there, but some very good 140-pound uh, fighters are participating in this tournament. 140 pounds is the weight class that you expressed that you want to uh, be at. Have you been following the tournament at all? And if so, what, what are your impressions of it? Yeah, you know, I actually, I actually did. I sat down and watched. I actually sat down and watched it um, last weekend and. Yeah, you know, Josh Taylor, he's very, very impressive. You know what I mean? He's he's definitely, definitely up at the top of the food chain at the 140 division, you know. And, you know, it, it's, it's it's when you're watching them guys fight, that, you know, it just gives me such motivation. And that, that's where I want to be at, you know what I mean? I'd love to be in the position to get a crack at one of them guys, you know what I mean? Would I be ready for it now? I'm I'm still learning the trade, you know what I mean? But give me another four or five fights and I don't see why not. You know what I mean? I'd be up there in rounds and you know, I, I, I honestly would love love to get an opportunity to fight one of them guys, you know, because that's what that's what you're in this sport to do. You're in this sport to test yourself against the best, you know, and the likes of Josh Taylor there, he is the best. You know, and if you were to get the opportunity to win against a guy like that you you jump at it with both hands, you know, because that's 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 how you will know if 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 you're cut to be at the top table or not. If you can stand toe to toe with them guys and go, and that's that's why I do this. That's why I want to do it. You know, I mean, I want to go in against the best that I can go in against, and I want to see how how far I can take this. You know, so you know, seeing these competitions like that, you know, that's 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 showing who's the best of the best because it's pretty much the best of the best that's fighting there. You know, so that's the level I want to get to. So by watching them guys, you know, it's showing me how I need to pick up my game to get to that stage. You know what I mean? And look, if, if who knows, in another year or two, I just got to keep knocking, knocking boys out of the way and keep getting up that ladder to the point of where... You know, I'm going to take the upper, I'm going to take the decision out of anybody's hands and be a hopefully be a mandatory for 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 some of them. You know, be in line, be in line to get a shot at some of them titles. That's that's what I want to do. You know. I definitely, definitely. Now, obviously, you live in New York uh, City. Uh, you, you you certainly are exposed to. A lot of boxing. I, I know you've gone to some of the events at Barclays Center and probably Madison Square Garden as well. Uh, have you been able to meet any uh, boxers, uh, big name boxers, either active or uh, retired fighters, in your travels in New York City? Uh, 
let me see. I see to be honest, you know, I I, ha- I haven't really, you know, as I say, I I'm one of them, you know, I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't drink anymore and I don't I don't I don't do any of the party and scene. So pretty much um after after a fight, you know what I mean, I'm I'm I just can't wait to get home, you know, to see the family. Right. To be honest, you know. Um so I probably miss out on all all them great opportunities by running into the the big names of the sport, you know, but I look. I I know. I know. I'll get meeting them at some stage. But at the minute, I'm just I'm I'm just happy. I'm just happy to to go in and do do what I need to do, and then get home and and, and see the family. Now I know when I've had you on in the past, you expressed your admiration uh, for Mickey Ward. Have you been able to meet him yet? You know, I I haven't been fit to meet Mickey Ward yet. That's something I'd love to do. You know, I mean that's 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 an aspiration of mine. You know, and who knows? Hopefully, sometime in the future he will be in New York. But if not, who knows? I might be lucky enough to get a fight in Boston. You know, I always see that he does be he always, he always, he's always at the shows in Boston. So maybe I need to start making a few calls and seeing if I can't get on some of them shows in Boston, hopefully that I can run in right, right. and finally get a picture and an autograph, you know. Well, he's at the Boxing Hall of Fame every year. I know we've talked about that, too. Uh, I know sometimes it's hard to get and there, but uh, he's, there, yeah. he's there every year. And that's, you know what I mean, that's another option. You know, I, I would love to get to the Boxing Hall of Fame you know, and hopefully I can bring my son down to it. And, you know, we can we can have a good weekend at it. So that that's another option I've got to keep open. You know, I could hopefully get seeing him down there too. Definitely, definitely. All right, Larry Fries, thank you for your time. The big fight is December seventh against Ronald Rivas. Uh, tell the fans how they could see the fight. Is there any uh, streaming or television for the fight? If not, tell them how they could get tickets if they're in the area. You know, as I say, at the minute, I don't think there's any streaming or any TV at it as of yet. But anybody looking for tickets, you know, you can you can come through me. You can you can reach me through Facebook or Instagram. You know, at Larry Friars, and I have tickets. You know, I can sort anybody out with tickets who's looking tickets. All righty, sounds good, Larry Friars. Thank you for your time. Now's your chance for some final comments. Okay, Anthony, I just want to thank you for giving me the call, giving me the opportunity to speak on your show. I love speaking on your show. And I'd like to give a call out to my coaches, Don Malitz and Alex Salomon. You know, with them, without them guys, I wouldn't be where I'm going, you know. And also my father, Jerry Friars, for for always believing in me and always always sticking by me and always making sure that I, I got the chance to fulfill this goal and never giving up on me. All righty, sounds great. Looking forward uh, to the fight, December 7th. You have a great rest of your evening. Thank you again. You too, Anthony. Thank you very much, Matt. All righty. All right, so there you have it. Larry Friars has set the fight. Uh, it's been a busy 2018. He has bounced back well from his early loss, uh, loss early in the year, I should say. And uh, he's on his way to trying to get his third fight in a row, third victory in a row in the year 2018. And uh, he seems to be uh, uh, focused now. It seems to have put a lot of the uh, stuff that was uh, preventing him from being totally focused, uh, you know, and a lot of it having nothing to do with himself, just uh, 
being around people that uh, can't get along, which is uh, a big uh, commonplace for boxing, unfortunately. So uh, he gets himself uh, bang on track December 7th. And, that, that, you know, that's a date that uh, sticks out uh, for me. Uh, obviously, uh, in uh, this country, it's uh, also Pearl Harbor Day, but uh, that is the day that uh, I'm going to see Springsteen on Broadway for the second time. Uh, if not for that, Larry, sorry, I would uh, be getting tickets and going to the fight because, you know, Queens is not too far from where I am. But uh, Springsteen on Broadway, man, I can't pass that up for a uh, second time. And uh, obviously that great show is winding down. So uh, so we have that. Uh, so we're going to have uh, Grover Wiley on in just a little bit. Uh, before we get to him, though, I want to uh, talk a little bit about this date in boxing history. Now, uh, November 8th, this date, 1963, a pretty good heavyweight scrap occurred between George Chavalo and Tony Alonji. Now, this is a fight that was one of those uh, television fights of the week, I believe, the, the, the Blue Ribbon uh, fight. I have seen this fight, but the quality of the footage is awful, really hard to look at if anybody uh has good footage of this fight. I would really love to watch it and with some clarity because it looked like a good one. It was a draw over uh, 10 rounds. Uh, Alonji hit the deck in round three, and uh, there was some uh, controversy with the scorecards. Originally, Tony Alonji was declared the winner, uh, but uh, then uh, somehow they figured out that they, they added some scorecards wrong. I think it was the referee had the wrong scorecard, so it wound up being a draw. Uh, and obviously, Chevalo uh, is one of those guys that fought anybody and anybody in the heavyweight division, and this was a pretty good scrap, this date in 1963. Moving uh, closer to uh, our time, but not so close, 1977, Alan Minter, for the third time, wins a 15-rounder over uh, Kevin Finnegan. Now, uh, I, I have two of these fights of the three, but uh, I didn't have time to look at which ones I had. Uh, I don't remember if I have this one. or I, I forget. It's been a while, but I remember watching them and being really tremendous action fights, a 15-rounder in favor of Minter. Obviously, Alan Minter went on to be uh, a middleweight uh, champion, and he was dethroned by marvelous Marvin Hagler. And I, I always thought Minter, until this day, uh, I, I think Minter is a bit of an underrated uh, champion. I think if it wasn't for his issue with cuts, he would have been even better. He would have even had more success than what he did. A solid uh, Southpaw Finnegan was a tough guy who fought Hagler twice and lost on cuts to Hagler. Uh, again, those fights are not privy for, for us to see, but uh, there's a lot of stories uh, around those fights, a uh, mix of obviously uh, from people that have claimed to have seen the fights. Some say Finnegan uh, was winning until it was stopped on cuts. Others say uh, Hagler was winning. So, uh, I mean, who knows? At, at the end of the day, TKO wins for Hagler. Minter beats uh, tough Finnegan in a 15-rounder for the third time on 1970, in 1977. 1980, the WBA lightweight title was at stake on this date in 1980, where Helmer Kenty 
was won the WBA version of uh, the lightweight title, uh, beating Villamar Fernandez. He's a guy who's had some success, who's been in some tough fights as well. And uh, Kenty was one of those Crocs gym fighters uh, who I, I thought was always very underrated. A lot of people thought that uh, other than Tommy Hearns, he was the best uh, Crock uh, champion uh uh, at that time, and uh, you could certainly make a case for that. And uh, he wins a tough 15 rounder over Villamar Fernandez. Fast forward to 1984, and Marvin Johnson, light heavyweight legend Marvin Johnson, defeats future light heavyweight champion Prince Charles Williams over 10 rounds. I saw this fight. This is a good fight. Uh, uh, Charles Williams was buzzed a couple of times by. Uh, Marvin Marvin was a powerful uh, southpaw fighter who was in some tremendous wars with Saad Muhammad. Uh, you know, really the, the beat Victor Galendez, a Hall of Famer, uh, for the championship. Uh, so uh, you know, John Johnson is one of those guys that uh, people are wondering why he's not in the boxing Hall of Fame yet. Maybe he'll get there as an old timer at some point. But uh, I don't know. But uh, he beats <coughs> Charles Williams, and in 1984 it was not. Close to being Marvin Johnson's peak. If we remember, Marvin Johnson was knocked out uh, by Michael Spinks, I think, in 1980 or 81. So uh, he was considered long in the tooth by 1984, and he gets a solid victory. Obviously, he also had solid victory, a solid victory over Leslie Stewart uh, later in, in his uh, career, and John Marie Amibe. Uh, was this guy ever in a bad fight? Win or lose, Marvin Johnson, uh, all action, all action. And Charles Williams is one of those guys who went on to become a light heavyweight uh, champion, but it was probably in the most unfortunate era of light heavyweight champions because he was part of that uh, crop of champions where you, you never saw any of these guys fight each other. You had Virgil Hill, you had uh, Michael Mora, you had Jeff Harding, uh, all really good champions, uh, but they all avoided each other for whatever reason. I mean, uh, Moore obviously went on to uh, uh, go on to fight as a heavyweight and was successful as a heavyweight champion. Uh, Jeff Harding uh, was, been, was in some wars with uh, Dennis Andres. Obviously, Virgil Hill became a Hall of Famer, but uh, none of these guys fought each other, which is sad and unfortunate because I think we would have had some good fights there in the early 90s if these guys uh, found a way to lace them up. So the same problem that we started with at the beginning of the show where you have these guys and you you just want them to fight each other and it might not happen. I mean, it's not anything new. It's not anything new. I I remember, and I thought Charles Williams, out of the guys I mentioned, other than Michael Morrow, probably would have. I mean, I, I, I would think Charles Williams had a very good shot to beat Virgil Hill. I think he would have beat Jeff Harding. Not sure if he would have beat Moore. I think Moore would have smoked them all if they had the opportunity. But a young Prince Charles Williams was inexperienced and could not handle the other marvelous Marvin, marvelous Marvin Johnson, on November 8, 1984. We'll be back right after this. Four lost two with one draw, and it is. Here's the announcement. Unable to continue to win by a knockout in the seventh round, Marvis, Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, and they have decided that the knockout was in the seventh round 
because the sixth well, round has other. Hagler Floyd making Floyd. a speech up there. I can't hear what he's saying he with the crowd yelling. Hagler's got the microphone and he's making some speech. I want Hugo Carl. I've been fighting all the best in the world right now. Now I know that I'm ready for Hugo Carl. Nobody has stopped Willie Warren. The man is tough. He fought Benny Briscoe, fought Seals, he fought Anthony Formio. I can't figure how they get a shot with Anthony Formio in there before me. But I'm looking for Hugo Carl because I believe the man's a sissy. And I'll tell it to his face if I can find him. The man's a sissy. That's what I have to say. I like to say thanks to all my fans who come down and to all my fans in New Jersey, my son in New Jersey, my grandmother, and to the rest of the world out there. I will be the next middleweight champion. Thank I'll you. tell you this much. You fought like a champion. You That's threw tough. everything at him. He's tough. He's tough, as you Nobody know. Nobody this man. That's right. And you stopped him right there. That's right. Now, I wanted to put his lights out, though. Can you contain the frustration of not getting a title shot and oh, keep yeah. it going? Keep oh, it yeah. going for yourself. Oh, yeah. Till I get Hugo Carl. That's my destiny. I wanted Valdez before the old man today. Ain't no reason why Valdez should have had a return match. It wasn't in the clause. He should fight a good-ranking champion like myself, the number one contender in the world. That's who he should fight. Hope you get the chance. Thank you. Marvin, great fight. We'll return to the Boston Garden after this word from your local station. Welcome back to Zeke's Boxing Talk, the boxing show, where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twist. And you can follow me on Twitter at Zute29, that's capital Z-U-T-E-29. You can become a follower of the show on blogtalkradio.com and also uh, Zute's Boxing Talk on uh, Apple. Uh, you can uh, follow it on the, uh, the Apple podcast uh, where you can download it and uh, it's ready for you to, to listen to each and every time the show is over. And uh, you could also go to uh, my blog, uh, Zoot's Sports Blog, on uh, blogger.com. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Mr. Grover Wiley in just a few minutes. Uh, before we talk about that, uh, once again this weekend, uh, Dazin has uh, the goods for your boxing uh, fixes. Uh, and they, they got some pretty good uh, fights on, the, on this uh, weekend here. I'm looking at the schedule now, and the WBA, WBC, IBF, and WBO cruiserweight titles are all on the line on Dazzin. Uh, there is no time yet for this. There's a lot of things going on on Dazzin uh, this uh, weekend, but the, the big unification cruiserweight title fight between Alexander Yusik and uh, Tony Bello is uh, the biggie of the, uh, of the weekend. You also have a very good undercard fight between Anthony Crawler and uh, Jordan in a WBA lightweight title eliminator. So there's a lot of good stuff, and uh, you have a bunch of other stuff on uh, uh, Dazin as well. But uh, if you're not, if you haven't seen Usyk, uh, I mean, he is a hell of a skilled boxer. I mean, his boxing skills are off the chart. He gave Garcia a boxing lesson uh, earlier in the year, and uh, Garcia is a killer. And uh, 
You really couldn't touch Usyk, and uh, that should be a good fight for uh, for the, all of you fans who uh, are streaming on Dazzin. So uh, we have that to uh, look forward to. Uh, and also, as we were talking about the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame a little bit, the, the uh, votes are now coming in. A lot of the writers are uh, posting their uh, their ballots. Uh, Lee Groves has been on this show. He's, uh, you know, uh, you can hit him up on uh, Facebook and then on uh, Ring, what is it, Ring TV or Ring.com he writes for where he has revealed who he has voted for. Uh, so you could check that out. Uh, I, I recently blogged, if I had a vote, I don't have a vote. If I had a vote, my uh, top uh, five, As the, if you don't know, if you are lucky enough to get a vote for the Boxing Hall of Fame, if you're a writer or a boxing pundit, uh, you could vote for five uh, fighters. And I'm just talking about the modern category right now. All those other categories, I really don't pay that much attention to and don't know enough about, but I do know on the modern category, you could vote for five guys on the ballot and the top three get in. Obviously, if there's a tie, you could have more than three fighters getting in, but uh, that's how it works. So uh, my top three were uh, Chris John, who was the first-time balloter, and uh, Nigel Benn, who a lot of people think should be in already, and uh, some, no, Darius the Tiger Mikulszewski, round out my top three, and I also put in Sun Kil Moon and uh, Rocky Lockridge and uh, my four and five. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I think Chris John is a no-brainer. If you actually watch the guy uh, fight, his uh, skills are off the chart. He has that great win over Marquez, which I thought was a more than legitimate win. He has victories over Rocky Juarez and a bunch of title defenses. And if you just watch, I mean, and there's a lot of fights available for you to watch of him. A lot of uh, his fights were not in America. I think that's where he might uh, take a hit. Uh, Nigel Ben should certainly uh, get a lot of consideration this year. I know a lot of people talk about how they think Julian Jackson uh, might uh, get in or definitely deserves to get in and uh, his punching power is legendary and all of that. I'm not disagreeing with any of that. But how could you put Julian Jackson in over Nigel Ben? I mean, Julian Jackson got smashed out twice by McClellan. And Ben uh, beat McClellan. If it wasn't for the, the tragic ending, it would be considered one of the greatest slugfests of all time. But Ben showed heart. Ben was always a guy who wasn't afraid to travel. Uh, he had some uh, pretty good boxing skills and was, uh, was an entertaining banger. And then Darius the Tiger Mikulszewski, another guy who didn't fight much on American television. Uh, I don't even know if he fought on American television at all. I'm not even thinking about it. I certainly uh, have a lot of his fights, and I've watched a lot of his fights, and he certainly beat a lot of the same guys that Roy Jones Jr. Uh, beat. He has a victory over Hall of Famer Virgil Hill. And, uh, you know, obviously the fight we never got to see was he and uh, Jones Jr. For whatever reason, Jones didn't want to travel uh, Mikashevsky didn't want to travel, so uh, neither one of these guys could have met in the middle somewhere and got the fight done. So again, boxing has been plagued with this problem forever. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we should have Mr. Grover Wiley on right after this.
Welcome back to Zoot's Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twist. And a big thank you to Larry Fryer's great segment there. And remember to uh, hit him up on Facebook, Larry Fryer's on Instagram. If you uh, can get to Queens on December 7th and want to see some good, solid boxing action, hit him up for that. Our next guest is a professional fighter, and uh, he has a very, very interesting distinction of uh, fighting both Chavez Sr. and Jr., and he holds a professional record of uh, 30 wins, 12 losses, one draw, big 14 knockouts over his professional career from Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the show, Mr. Grover Wiley. How are you doing tonight? Thank you. Hello. How's it going there? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, uh, Grover, talk a little bit about uh, what made you become a professional fighter. Let's start there. Uh, well, it was actually, uh, actually, we were, uh, we were, uh, it was, it was a snowstorm in Nebraska. I was state rest state wrestling tournament and uh um somebody uh sent me to a boxing gym and I walked in fell in love with it and quit wrestling the the next day and started boxing right after that that was uh, 1992 I won the gloves in 93 and turned pro in 94 so it's kind of a kind of a quick quick turnaround <laughs> indeed indeed now to talk a little bit about uh the contrast and uh, some of the comparisons uh, of uh, boxing and, and wrestling. What was it about boxing that made you want to give up wrestling so fast? Um, I I loved wrestling, but I was I guess I was never in love with wrestling. If that makes sense. And uh, right when I walked in the boxing gym and just just uh, seeing the guys sparring and uh, just uh, I don't know I don't know what it was. I just I fell in love with it. And I knew I knew right the day I walked in that that's what I wanted to do. So, from that from then on, it was just no looking back. Now, obviously, both sports are, are grueling. Both sports uh, require the competitors to be in, in great shape. But uh, how is it different in terms of having to to train and prepare for boxing as opposed to wrestling? Oh, it's, it's I mean, it, both of it is the most, uh, the mo- you know, the the hardest thing to do you know i mean wrestling is completely complete body i mean you, you get so tired from, from wrestling and fighting the strength of another guy and then then come to boxing it's 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 the same but different you know um you got to throw punches you got to have legs you got to move you're up on your feet you know there's no there's no wrestling there's no no time to no time to tie up and rest i mean you can tie up and rest but you know to a to a certain point but both of both of both of them are, are just uh, just grueling, you know, um, conditioning sports. You know, I always tell everybody if you can wrestle and you can box, you know, you're you're pretty much you know a supreme athlete. Definitely, definitely. Well, talk a little bit about your experience in the Golden Gloves. What was that like? Um, the Golden Gloves were great. I um. Uh, Sorry, I'm eating some sushi right now. Um, yeah, the Golden Gloves, the Golden Gloves were great. I came into the, um, I came into boxing. And I, uh, I had, you know, when I when I first started out, um, 
I fought 135 pounds. And then when I fought in the gloves, I went to 132, um, fought a five-time defending champion who had beat everybody on our team that had beat me up every day for eight months. I won the Golden Gloves after I, after I fought for eight months, and I ended up beating him in a 2-3 split um, and ended up uh, turning pro the next year. But, but yeah, the, the Golden Gloves was probably my most memorable. My, my father was dying of cancer, so uh, – that was the last fight that he attended in person or in his wheelchair. But um, it was, it was just, that's probably the most memorable other than the Chavez fight, but just cause he was there and just, you know, I wasn't supposed to win. I guess kind of we're both the same, but different. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what was the moment for you that said, I, I want to, continue to do this uh, as a professional because there have been a hell of a lot of uh, successful amateur fighters and uh, guys who fought in gloves and stuff like that and never turned pro. Uh, what was the deciding factor for you to want to become a professional? I was, I, I don't know, I guess uh, ever since I started fighting my, my trainers, um, they always told me I wasn't an amateur fighter. They're like, man, you know, I could hit hard and because uh, you know, once I learned how to go to the body, I was you know I was dropping the guys that had fought for ten years, and I'd been in the gym for six months, and they were just you know and that comes from wrestling also. I, I believe you know I had good hips and everything, so you know I started knocking everybody out, and um, and then the couple fights that I lost were you know like in the, in, in the finals of different tournaments, but uh, you know I fought a guy that was more ahead than more of the amateur style that pity pad, you know, pat, 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 scoring, you know, and I'm coming and slipping and, and digging body shots and just hasn't scored the same. But uh, I guess, I guess pretty much from the beginning, you know, I was my, my trainer, uh, Midge Miner and Larry Littlejohn, both of them are deceased now, but they would take me to the local pro shows and the guys didn't have shirts on and there was ring girls and they got paid. And I just, I just kind of just, decided that that's what, what I was going to do. And we're speaking with uh, Grover Wiley. Uh, Grover, uh, how about growing up? Were, were you a boxing fan growing up? Uh, if so, who were some of the guys you like to follow? Oh, yeah, I, I love boxing. Growing up, I love Chavez. Um, I love Chavez, Parnell Whitaker. Um, I mean, just, you know, Meldrick Taylor. I mean, that was my era, Trinidad. Oh my God, there was some great fighters. You know, the last the last fight that my dad, my father, and I watched when he was alive was Greg Halgan fighting um, Julio Cesar Chavez in the largest boxing venue of all time. You know, hundred thousand people in Mexico City. And right, then, right. And then the trilogy, and then the trilogy of that story was I ended up fighting both of them and living right. in an apartment with him, dying of cancer, and saying that's what I'm going to do someday. And they get an opportunity to fight to fight both of them so it kind of ended up cool you know it kind of ended up just i don't know it just kind of all happened yeah i mean uh i mean uh, the story goes that uh greg really didn't uh train uh, a lick fighting chavez some people say it wouldn't have made much of a difference but uh you're a guy no. who's got a bird's eye view of both of them uh talk a little bit about yeah. the, both of those great fighters yeah well, I fought Greg Haugen, but, you know, both of them, I got them both out of their prime. You know, Chavez, of course, was a little more Haugen. 
how can I beat the shit out of Haugen? He dropped me in the second round, and once I figured out, you know, how to defend that right hand, he caught me with a flash knockout. But I, I beat him from ring post to ring post. They gave me a lopsided decision in Portland where it was pretty much where he's from, uh, and the crowd went crazy, and kind of like the Chavez fight, the crowd went crazy, and they had to be, I had to be police escorted out because, I mean, it, just I don't know. They people didn't agree with the with the with the outcome and um then the chance to fight then the fight chance to fight Chavez, you know. I was retiring and actually uh there was a local guy um that was signed by somebody in California who had been you know, they wanted to they wanted to fight me, you know, that was the name here at the time before before Terrence and then uh um so I was coming out, you know, I was gonna fight one more fight and and, and beat the shit out of this guy. And uh, and they, I had like three weeks of training then, and they call they called me for the Chavez fight. I think I had like twelve days, or you know they tried to you know they tried to catch me off guard, but it, you know of course he's on his way out, and I was like you know what, heck yeah, it was, I mean what a, what a trilogy you know to fight Halgan and then to fight my favorite fighter of all times, Chavez. So uh, you know it just kind of it happened, and I got lucky because I'd already been training for the fight. But I still had, I still had like, uh, I think I had to 14 and a half pounds the night before, and uh, you know to make the weight that they wanted me at, and somehow I did it, and somehow I, you know, had enough energy to win. Yeah, de- de- definitely. I mean, one of the greatest legends of all time, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez uh, Sr. Uh, I mean. Uh, you talked about it a little bit, but getting more when you're actually in the ring with him, what's going through your mind? Well, I I I always I always compliment myself about never being nervous or never having jitters, you know, because I always try to be in great shape. And um, the story of that was I walked in the Phoenix, it was in Phoenix, Arizona, so I walk in the Marriott Arena. Now this is the first time I was ever in the you know the crossover to the big big time, you know. I'd fight on Fox Sports and ESPN, and but it was nothing like you know it was nothing like fighting someone just big time and the, the atmosphere. And I come in and on the on the great big big screen TVs they're watching uh, his greatest his greatest fights, you know, which I'd watched a million times. I mean, I tried to fight just like him, you know. I knew everything, you know. I just I tried to know tried to fight just like him, you know, everything I did. And uh, I walked in there, and that was when it hit me. I was like, what in the hell are you doing? You know, everybody's watching these, these, you know, greatest knockouts of his, his fights and then uh, sitting next to him. It was just kind of mm. kind of like re- a reality check. And I'd been sucking so much weight. And I was taking ephedrine and aspirin and, uh, you know, different mixes to try to sweat this weight out. My heart was beating so fast. And, you know, for a second, you know, I was just, I was, I was, I was scared, you know, which I'd never been before. So it was a totally, totally different deal. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Did you get to know him at all? Did you conversate with him uh, at all? Uh, I mean, I've heard mixed things about his personality. Here's a here's a here's a perfect example. This will this will tell you. Okay, I tell everybody right now. I tell everybody, you don't want to meet your idol. You know what I mean? Because you're you're scared of what they're going to say. Well, he was a complete. You know, I I don't want to say scumbag, but I will. But he's a complete Mm -hmm. scumbag. Asshole. I wish I would have never met him in my life. I wish I would have mm-hmm. never seen him again. Um, he was, he, he, you know, he tried to attack my friends outside of the weigh-ins when I fought his son. 
Um, he wore that freaking cast for, for almost a year. Um, when he said he hurt his hand, he, uh, you know, like when I was fighting Chavez Jr., in between rounds, I'm looking over and he's behind everybody on the, you know, behind the corner and flipping me off and grabbing his crotch and the police would mm. sit him down and he would jump back. I mean, it was just, you know, but he didn't want a nobody like that, like he thought I was to, to beat him, you know, so they picked, they picked a guy that thought was going to come and lay down. And they just, they picked right. the wrong one, you know. I just wish I would have never met him because that was, you know, that ruined a lot of things that I shared with my father. So. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I haven't heard the nicest things about him and his personality. He's one of the greatest of all time, so you wonder uh, about that. Yeah, I've never he met, does. but uh, I've heard, I wish I would have never more met him. Good. I've yeah, heard I wish, some and I, lo- say I nice, love him not. as a fighter. Right, right. You know, that was my favorite fighter of all times, and then, then just to, you know, just to be in the corner or be in the, okay, and here's another epiphany or a, another thing that freaked me out was, uh, okay, you know you know the, the ritual, you know, when he comes in the ring and he throws his arm to every single corner, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's got his entourage, oh man, you know, that was just like you know, living a, living a you know, something that you've dreamed about your whole life you know, but you know, and just the reality sits in and you're just like, man, this is this is it right here. This is what you asked for. Time to time to put up or shut up. So. And uh, how about <laughs> me, Greg Haugen? I mean, he wasn't your idol or anything, but he also. Uh, some people I speak with, uh, some people say great things about him. Some not so great. Uh, what was his personality like? And uh, obviously, known to be a great trash talker. They got he got the hell away from me after the fight. I mean, he didn't want. He knew. He knew the deal. That's probably some of the one of the best shape I've ever been in. I, um, I mean, I was, yeah, I was in great shape. And so, as soon as the fight was over with, and uh, they they said something about suspending me for sixty days, and then uh, I think the doctor came up and said, "What? You know, he doesn't need. I didn't even have a mark on my face." And uh, then I went to shake his hand, and then he was gone. So and I knew I didn't see him. I didn't see him again. But you know, maybe he didn't have his best night, and you know, and I, I had an okay night. The only thing I just lacked is I needed I needed to drop him. I just couldn't catch his ass. But right, he was, right. he was it, good, slick, slick defender. And, right. Yeah, he's known for his great defense when he's on. Yeah. So that, yeah. That that makes sense. Uh, what what about fighting Junior? I mean, he, he's you, you look at him and he's so much larger than his father and and Greg Haugen and a lot of the other guys you fought. Uh, what was it like <laughs> was fighting huge. him? It was terrible because we signed con- or we we started dealing two years before that fight took place, and he was 140 pounds, and they were worried about me making weight. And I said, I'm in great. I was training out in Miami. I said I'm in great shape. I can I can make the weight. I was flying Terrence Crawford out to be my sparring partner um, in between his schools or on his breaks and um, and just you know he just uh, I don't know yeah I was he was just he was too big man I was I was 100 I think I weighed in 144 pounds you know they changed the weight they changed the weight to 47 and they changed it to 54 and my trainer got rest his soul he you know he was like no. No way, and I'm and I'm thinking that he didn't grow. I'm thinking he's just being lazy because he's a bum. He's lazy. He don't work hard, you know. And I I just thought he lived off of his, his dad's name. 
So I said, you know what? He's fat. He's lazy. Let's go take him out at 154. You know, that's my thinking. And he was just big. He was freaking huge. You know, he wasn't, well, I didn't feel my punches. I wasn't feeling his, and he hit me with that body shot. And I practiced defending that body shot and countering it a million times. And somehow he slipped his hand underneath my elbow and caught me, you know. So, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think anything of him. You know, I think he's right. always fought smaller guys because they tried to build his record, you know, and they fought him so much until he could finally fight a little bit. And then he just sees strong arm people. But look what happened when he fought Canelo. You know what I mean? He fought, finally, finally fought somebody that's his own size and he, he acted like a chicken. You know what I mean? Like a little chicken hawk. He didn't even fight back half the time. Definitely, but he was so definitely. used to fighting yeah. little guys. Right, right. But, now, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the, the, the strength is, is the big factor. Uh, what other attributes, though, uh, can can you say that uh, uh, he might have taken from his father, if any? Because um, they don't look anything alike to me. I, I always find and they don't. They didn't really fight. No. I mean, they fought a little similar, but uh, I, I always find it's a strange dynamic. And you've been in the ring with both of them, so. Uh, I think you're a good source for this. Yeah, but I and I caught Chavez at a, a whole different time period, so it's hard to even compare them. But you know, I knew exactly what Chavez was going to throw because I that's how I tried to fight. So by the time I fight him, he's throwing the shit in slow motion, and I'm catching him and countering with body shots, and his his, his arms are sinking into his body, and he's groaning. You know, I'm just it was just totally different where where Chavez was young and he was still he still had a little fight in him. You know, he was just so big. You know, he throws a good body shot. Um, and, and you know, he's, he's genetics. You know, he's strong. He can hit hard. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I can't even, I can't even compare him to, to Chavez, though. That that fight broke my heart more than anything, though. I, I, I knew I was going to beat him for that fight. And he was just, you know, in my mind, he wasn't that big. He just, and he mm-hmm. caught me. And, yeah, I just, that, that was, that, that was a, that that one was was probably the the most devastating. Right. Just because right. they talked, they were just they were just so, so so rude and so you know they just weren't professional, man. I just the person, what you think, what you think your your idol is going to be like, you know, and you know, look at Terrence Crawford how he acts, you know that that's how I wanted my idol to be, you know, and then once you meet him in person, it's just the complete opposite, you know. I think he makes Mayweather look like a like a like 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 a good you know like a great great guy, <laughs> but he's a great guy. But I'm saying, <laughs> just you know, just the wow. things that he does, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I mean, the, the the fight with Junior was one of your last fights. You didn't stay as a pro that much long after that. What told you um, it was time to give up? Oh, well, not I shouldn't say I give up done. to retire. And I was and, uh, Hey, buddy. I was done before Chavez. I was done. I was 32. I told myself that I was done. I fought, um, um, who did I fight? Uh, who did I fight? Um, 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 from New York, uh, Dimitri Salida. So mm-hmm. I fought him afterwards. That's the fight I had been trying to get, and I fought him at 140. And after that, I was done. But that was like a little uh, re, re, uh, reincarnation, too, because. Before Chavez, I had retired. I was done. You know, I was done. I couldn't get the fights I wanted at 140. They kept offering me fights at 47, at 54. I couldn't get anything at 140. Um, 
and then and then Chavez called, and I was like, you know what? Let me let me just you know let me just end it end it with with one last one last good one, you know, one last one where it'll be on TV, and you know, sure enough, you know, and then I won, and then all of a sudden, boom, I was just right back in it again. So. Mm. Now, kinda, when you finally retired, was it uh, hard to walk away? I hear stories about how uh, <laughs> to, to adjust to the regular yeah. life is very difficult. Hell yeah, it was difficult. It was, it was terribly difficult because they're calling me for fights, and you know, of course, big time. You know, you know, guys with great records, and they're offering me ten, fifteen, twenty grand, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. You know, trying to because in my mind I was going to be a, a millionaire. You know, I knew I was going to be a world champion, and things just didn't didn't go the way I planned. And uh, then I had to retaliate and, and figure out what I was going to do to pay my bills and feed my kids. And you know, so yeah. And then anytime everybody called, you know, in my mind I'm like, shit, I could. In your mind, you're always in, in as good a shape as you were for that best fight. You know. Oh, it would only take me a couple of weeks to get back in shape, you know, as a year went on. And then right, my trainer right. say, my, my trainer made me say, you damn dummy, you're done. I told you, we're done. You know, he'd always tell me, you're done. You know, I don't, no more, no more. So, what was some of the yeah, fights you got off? It was difficult. Huh? I said, what was some oh, of the fights you got off? I got, I got I um, you know what, it's been so long ago. Um and of course, I'm not gonna be able to think. I got, I've got like a, you know, like one bad one was that Jimmy Lang. He was too big, and I took that fight um, in his hometown. That was my last fight. Um, who did they? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, I can't even remember. Mm. Who knows? But I had there was there was about three different ones, and I'll remember as soon as I hang this phone up. <laughs> well, you can tell me off the yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I'll let I'll let you know. I can't I can't pick now, but um, Cam, was it Cameron Citron? Was that one of them? Um, I don't know. There were there was a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And the money was well, in the, uh, in the, oh my right. orga my orga was one of them. They called me for my orga and offered me ten grand. Wow. I them, I said ten grand. Wow. I said, Jesus, we I, right. I don't even think you guys are halfway there. Like you guys are puncher. I think who else who else was? I know my orga was one of them, but who knows? I've had so many phone calls over the years to to fight people after I was trying you know trying to retire. And so so easy right. to get baited back in, and then you're then you're right back to square one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, it, it's certainly something uh, that uh, a lot of uh, fighters at that stage of their career have gone through. Uh, but uh, you are uh, very close to a fighter who is on top of the world now, considered by many the top fighter uh, in the world today, Terrence Bud Crawford. Talk a little bit about the, the, the first time you met him. <laughs> he was probably 12 years old in the boxing gym. We, My trainer had kicked him out. When he was 10, he was such a bully. He was a littlest kid in the gym and a big bully. And then uh, he came back when he was 12, and I think they kicked him out again. Then he came back when he was 14 with a little different attitude. And from then on, man, he just – he was my sparring partner. He was my my guy, man. We'd we'd have our own little training camps when I had fights coming up, and I'd pick him up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd pick my trainer up and pick him up. My trainer would follow us in a car, and we would just run. 
follow us in the car with the lights on because it was so dark out, and we'd go back and train, and then uh, I would take him, you know, he'd go back and take a shower at home, and I would take him to drop him off at school or whatever school he wasn't kicked out at the time, and, and I used to tell all my buddies, I was like, hey, this kid's going to be a world champion. He's got, he's got it all. I mean, he's just, he's an animal. But what was it like sparring with? Super, and a super, but a super smart, a super smart kid. I used to be kid out of him until until <coughs> until it just didn't. When I hit him, it just didn't hurt. I remember um, he used to always switch right handed or left handed. My trainer would tell me to put pressure on him and make him make him break camp. He's disrespecting you when he when he switches. So I I put pressure on him and one one time I think he was like fourteen or fit. Now he might have been sixteen. I better give myself a little credit, but he threw a straight left and freaking pushed my nose flat on my face. I said, oh, and if my chin wasn't down, he would have knocked me out, and I probably would never hurt the end of it to this day. So I, I turned to my trainer, and I said, hey, you know what? He fights, he hits harder left-handed than he does right-handed. You know, so from then from then on, we start, you know, start really working with him left-handed and stuff, too. So he, he was awesome, man. He was, he's a, you know, didn't, didn't ever miss the gym. Um could hit hard, you know, and, and for, for a lot of, a lot of time, you know, we, the pros, we weren't allowed to hit him in the head, you know, or hit the, the young guys in the head, but my, my trainer was a big, big arm puncher, you know, no matter what, there was somewhere to punch. So we'd punch shoulders, elbows to get to the ribs, you know, and I'd beat his, I'd beat his, his arms up or, you know, and he'd shake his arms out and my trainer would just laugh and laugh and he laughed and he's like, uh-huh, see? Taking all those shots on your arms, you think they're not doing nothing, but but they're making your arm, you know, make your arms heavy, and make you slow down, make you feel like you're a, you're in a pile of sand, you know. So you know, and I, you know, so that was that was always my big thing. I was a big body puncher, so I I, I like to think that you know that that I taught him a little bit on that, but I think he taught me more than I taught him, and he didn't he didn't even know, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the interesting dynamics that guys like uh, Terrence have, and a lot of these guys have that you, that you that fighters uh, from the pack didn't have, is this uh, whole idea of social media, right? Getting into social media wars with uh, other fighters, maybe other uh, people. That that kind of stuff wasn't around when you fought uh, Rover, and we often hear about. Uh, how Terrence uh, Crawford or, or somebody else gets into uh, uh, social media wars with with uh, other fighters? Uh, how do you think that dynamic has changed uh, the sport a little bit? Um, I don't I don't know. I really don't have to do it. I mean, I get on on my Facebook. I'm more promote. You know, I own a I own a construction company and I own a boxing gym, so I promote that. But I don't I don't really uh, I don't really pay too much attention to all that. I know. I know that it, you know, like whenever I see they're, they're talking smack or something, I'll share it. But, but it's huge, man. I was I was a ticket seller, you know. I, I I had to, you know, I was out selling tickets, knocking on doors, and trying to get people to come see me fight, you know. Where now, you know, you sh- you know, cut all your friends share share your little story or whatever. And next thing you know, you know, you got, you know, you got you got a thousand people in the ring to watch the fights just from what they've seen. And the excitement building online, which is is pretty pretty cool, you know. Great great way yeah, to definitely. great way to um, great way to 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 get your name out there. You know what I mean? 
because and I, you know, that is, I think it's done wonders for Terrence. You know, he's always telling me, "Oh, I just want, I want to fight in my hometown. I want every, you know, everybody to be here." And I would tell me, "You just keep keep knocking people out. I promise, everybody's gonna come watch you fight someday. Everybody, you know, you're, you're too much of a superstar for them not. You know, and sure, sure enough, you know, it all comes full circle. Put that hard work and dedication in it." You know, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't have any extracurricular activity, you know what I mean? He's just, he's a machine, you know? Instead of, instead of, you know, like me, I would fight and then I would drink and have fun, and so you automatically take two steps back from where you're at, you know? So, and that's how 99% of the fighter, you know, any athlete is. So, instead of, instead of Terrence taking two steps back after his fights, he's back in the gym, so he takes two steps forward. So somebody else got to take four steps to catch up to him, you know, and you're not, he just, he just got that, that mind strength and, and that freaking, that amazing work ethic, man. He's, and he's had it forever. He was born with it. His genetics, you know, his grandpa was a freaking animal fighter. His dad, I mean, his, he was, he was, he was raised around animals, you know? So it's just, a, yeah, it's just cool to watch him stay focused though. You know, he does you know, none, you know, how easy is it to, to get caught up in the limelight? be at the bars or be at where everybody's, you know, everybody knows you where he's, he's buying, he's buying things, places in the community. He's, he's pulling up on Thanksgiving with a truckload of tur- a turkeys, you know what I mean? And handing them out to, to people who need it, you know? So he's, he's a, he's a whole different breed, man. It's just cool to be, to get to be part of that. Definitely. So. Definitely. Now, one of the flights, uh, that's on the top of most everybody's wish list is to see uh, Terrence fight Errol Spence uh, Jr. And it gets frustrating for, <laughs> hey. for fans because uh, we don't think it's going to happen because of the different promotions that they fight for. Yeah, well, uh, what well, are the odds on that fight happening? I don't know, but it's a freaking – what a joke. I mean, look at look – at, Earl Spence is fighting Mike, Mikey Garcia. He's two, he's two weight classes lighter. Why would anybody even want to see that? Who really thinks that he's going to beat somebody, two, you know, Mikey, two weight classes heavier than him? It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? He's a little dude. Earl Spence, is, you know, it's just, but what a joke. So that's because those two are in that same, the same stable. And that if you, if you do some research, what does, what does Earl Spence say? Oh, he's on the wrong side of the street. You know, well, yeah, you right, know you're right, protected right. forever. You're a joke, you know what I mean? Because guess, well, guess what? And that's why Bob Arum is gung ho for him to fight everybody. Because look who, look who he fought. He won that title. He came back to Nebraska. And who did he fight? Gamboa, thirty and zero, gold medalist. I mean, he ain't ducking nobody. He wants the best of the best. You know, put up or shut up. Why are you fighting? Why, you know, why are they making a fight with somebody two weight classes lighter than you? But it's just a, you know, I just, it, it, it'll happen. I think it'll happen. I think it's, I think it's a ninety percent chance it happens. I think it's probably a hundred percent chance because if people want to see it, but is it going to be in two or three or four years when everybody's out of their prime? You know, are they going to are they going to make it when they're when they're both ready right now, a hundred percent and best in the world? Both of them. Some people say he's the best. Some people say he's the best. Well, let's put up or shut up. You know. So they say exactly. somebody's old's got to go. Definitely. So, now, obviously, Terrence is coming off of that fantastic performance in October. Uh, right. I mean, it's not going to be Spence next. Who do you think they're, they're going to match up Terrence with uh, in his next fight? 
I have I have no idea. I I've had people ask me that, you know. As a matter of fact, someone just texted me that was out with their buddies and asked me that, and I said, man, I've got no clue. I mean, you know, he's he's knocking off these guys that are twenty-seven and zero, thirty and zero, and they're still trying to say he's not fighting nobody. Are you kidding me? The guy's fighting everybody and anybody. Anybody that's there, you know. That's why, you know, that's why I just hope that they figure out something. And I'm hoping, you know, I'm I'm guessing that that you know the end of next year, maybe the beginning of the next year, they'll, they'll fight. But I bet it'll. It's a, I think it'll be the end of next year. You know, they'll each have two or three more fights, and then hopefully they'll make the match. That's going to be the fight everyone wants to see. That's going to be the the, the big money fight. I mean, it's they're they're going to have a couple more. They got to have a couple more wins, you know, build you know sell the sizzle, and then you know, then hopefully at the end of next year they they sell it and sell it out wherever it's at. Yeah, hope so. Hope so. Uh, you, so uh, we'll definitely look and keep an eye on that. Now you mentioned. Uh, the, the boxing gym that you have. Talk a little bit about that, how that developed, and, uh, you know, give us a little um, bit of an up of that. Oh, oh, it's awesome, man. I, I call it uh, I call it um, Undisputed Punch Fitness. I've got um, half of it's Undisputed Strength, so I've got a strength and conditioning. And uh, uh, i got a business partner named Jeff Anderson, who's, a, who's, a, who's the guru of strength and conditioning. Um, he's actually out of the same camper, um, is, is the same person pretty much as uh, Jamie Bell, who trains, who trains Terrence Crawford. So those two are, you know, those two were, were partners to begin with. And, uh, and, and Jeff came with me and uh, we both, we own our construction company and we own our, um, our gym and he runs the strength and conditioning side and I run the boxing side. Um, it's awesome. We had wrestling there at one time um, and it just outgrew it. So, so our business partner there moved, moved on and, uh, and used as one of the high schools in town. It's kind of cool because Terrence, you know, like I said, we, we're all we're we're like family. So he thinks a lot like like I do, or I think a lot like he does. You know, his, his sons are superstar wrestlers, and uh, he he um, expanded his gym, and now uh, the, the side they started on is going to be a wrestling room. You know which I think is great when, when kids grow up wrestling and boxing, but, uh, yeah. So his is, his is, um, his is on 31st and Sprack. Mine is out West. Um, I kind of, I, I, uh, I kind of, um, how, how do you say, I, I, I appeal to, um, people trying to get in shape. You know, I love teaching boxing and I, and I, I'm not really into the boxing scene anymore, but I love to train people how to box. You know, I always tell people, you know, everybody's like, well, what, what makes you different than other gyms, you know, that teach boxing? And I said, well, I'm going to teach you boxing. I'm teaching you the sweet science as I get you in great shape, you know. And then we have the conditioning that the fighters go through also. So you're learning something, you know. You're not just hitting the bags. You're not set loose. Somebody's teaching you how, you know, I got I got people that have been with me for years that hit those mitts and move their head and are slick like a pro fighter, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, I love it, though. I love it. I, you know, I, I love my life now. Oh, it's great to hear, and uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot of uh, inspirational stuff, uh, Grover Wiley. Uh, Grover, it, it, for kids who are listening out there or thinking about uh, getting into uh, uh, boxing or, or actually doing it now and want some advice, what's the best advice you could give uh, 
young, inspiring boxer, both uh, as far as uh, training goes and on the business side of it, where a lot of guys get hurt. Uh, if you're a kid that wants to get into boxing, you know, hopefully, you you know, your parents will take you somewhere. And uh, you know, like like my mom would never take me to a boxing gym. I would. I always wanted to box, but I was never allowed to go to a boxing gym until I turned 16, and then I drove to a boxing gym, but because she always thought that I was going to get beat up or whatever, you know, and it's not so much of getting beat up, it's pretty much learning self-defense, if you think about it, everything you learn is self-defense, so I think it's great for, for kids to learn, you know, and you just find a boxing gym, and you go in, and if that one doesn't work for you, you find, you know, go to another one, find one that suits you, and you know, you don't have to compete, but you can you can learn learn the sweet science and learn how to defend yourself. You know, and for for people you know my age or people wanting to get in shape, the best way to do it, like I tell them, is how to learn how to fight your way in shape. So, you know, go go to a boxing gym that offers some classes, or go go somewhere that offers boxing classes. It's a it's a great workout and a great stress reliever. You'd be you'd be surprised. Uh, what about on the business side of it? I hear some sad stories about guys getting screwed out of money, bad management, uh, dirty promoters. Uh, what advice can you give? Oh, yeah. And uh, how much of that have you experienced yourself? I've never, I've never, I've never uh, experienced any of it because I, I had, um, like I said, my dad died when I was, I was a senior in high school, so uh, my boxing trainer uh, kind of took over the position. And uh, he managed me, and you know, and uh, Brian McIntyre, um, he was one of my trainers, but he was also my stable mate. So you know, we would work with, you know, that's that's the the coach of the year, the you know, the trainer of the year, and that's Karen's trainer. But him and Saul, I mean, we all fought together, but we all trained each other, and uh, and uh, I, it was just so we we always looked out for each other. No one ever, no one ever robbed us or cheated us. Well. I guess the promoter did one time, and uh, where we were in St. George, Utah, or we were nowhere in Denver, and uh, um, when I got locked out of our rooms, um, everything with the show was a flop. So we went to <laughs> we went to get our money. We were locked out of our rooms, and um, mm. so that that was one time that that happened. And uh, I mean that was like 1994. So it's been a, it's been a long time, but you always hear about horrible horrible things and. You just you just have to get with somebody that that you trust and you know and and get a get a lawyer I guess to to read over contracts and see what you're signing, but you know I guess I guess that would that would be it you know. Oh, thank you, Grover Wiley. It's been a pleasure, uh, uh, Grover. You. If you if you had your chance to face one fighter, either an old-timer or somebody on the current stage, uh, who would it be? Who was my favorite? Or, uh, I'm sorry, one I'm guy you would want to face. If you, if you had your chance to jump into a time machine or uh, go back in time and become uh, the, the you at your best, who would you want to face with you at your best? What guy? Oh, I, I'd want I'd, I'd have to have uh, Chavez Jr. again. <laughs> Javis Jr. So you would want to go back and, and fight him when you were a little just, bit more yeah. ready and younger. Okay. Well, no, I was just. I guess I would have liked to fight him two years earlier when he was 140 pounds. But, mm-hmm. but I don't, you know, and I, I guess I never really looked like that. I guess I guess I imagine now who who I'd want to be if I could go back and fight again. 
and it's Terrence mm-hmm. Crawford with all with all his skills and just the way he sees things and just I wish I would have done things you know like him and not not indulged in different things instead of staying focused and and you know and just having the mind the strength that he has in, in his mind to be the best you know and not be sidetracked. I guess that I guess that's probably what I what I would more you know think about going back and doing. All right, sounds good. Uh, thank you so much, Grover Wiley. It's been a pleasure. Uh, now it's the time for some closing comments. Okay, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anything you want to say in closing? Any uh, social media or anything you want the fans to know about before you go? Terrence Crawford. I've been telling everybody for for years. If you don't know him, you're going to. Best fighter in the world. All righty. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Thank you. You also. All righty. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Terrence Crawford is obviously, uh, if not the top pound for pound, uh, number two on most people's list. I don't do that kind of thing. I don't make pound for pound lists, but he's certainly one of the uh, top fighters in the world today, coming off a marvelous uh, performance in October against uh, uh, Benavidez. Obviously, he and uh, Spence Jr. is not going to be next. So what could possibly be next for uh, Crawford, I mean, if you look at the, the, the WBO, the number one uh, contender is Cuspio Clayton. You got Edges, the Mean Machine up there. Uh, Vargas, uh, Broner, and uh, Amir Khan are in the top five uh, in the, the 147-pound WBO division. That's the belt that uh, Crawford holds. The other champions, obviously, is Spence at IBF. Uh, WBA, you got the two champions. You got Thurman, who hasn't fought in forever, and uh, you don't know what's going on with him. And you got Pacquiao, and a fight with Crawford and Pacquiao has been uh, discussed for forever, it seems like, and uh, I don't know if we're ever going to get that. And obviously, the other champ is WBC champ Sean Porter, who's also appears to be tied up with the PBC and Al Heyman. So you, so you just don't know. I think any one of the uh, top five in the WBO could be a possibility. Uh, for uh, Crawford uh, next, uh, I mean, uh, Amir Khan, he's the guy that's been discussed with every uh, possible legendary fighter, and he doesn't never get the fight, so <laughs> who knows about that? Uh, I don't know. Edge is the mean machine. I don't know if he might, if he feels he's ready. I mean, uh, to get the offer, I'm sure he'll take it. And Custio uh, Clayton, the number one uh, ranked guy in the WBO, I don't know much about him, so I can't say whether or not that fight's a possibility or even if I want to see it. But uh, fighting the number one ranked guy in uh, your weight class is certainly something that could be a possibility. Oh, uh, that's it for tonight's show. Thank you, everyone, who uh, listened in. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Zute29. That's capital Z-U-T-E-29. Follow Suits Boxing Talk on Block Talk Radio. Subscribe to the show on Apple iTunes. And uh, have a great rest of your evening. Thank you again to Larry Fryers and Grover Wiley for making the times go by so much.